Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPCourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to NLPCourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistics, programming, and beyond. Hello and welcome. My name is John Cassie Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host for this session. So the last couple of podcasts, we've been talking about hypnosis and transferring that to everyday communications. So I've had a couple of questions come in that I thought might make a good topic for this podcast. So let's jump right into it. So one of the questions, and uh, thank you, Chris, for sending this in, is that so in the last few sessions, you've indicated that we go into trance quite naturally all the time. And yeah, that is true. And we spend a lot of time inside our own heads. So when you're communicating with somebody, what would you look out to see if they're in trance or not? And I thought that would be a good topic to to notice. So I'm going to set everybody a task is over the next week is to pay attention. Can you spot when people are moving in and out of trance? So you've seen the TV trance because people often have their mouth open as they stare blankly at the screen. But that's not overly helpful. That sort of catatonic type trance is easy to spot, especially when you see people watching TV. And in the UK, one of the most powerful hypnotic pieces of music is the theme to EastEnders which is a soap opera in the UK. So, but that's not overly helpful for us on a day-to-day. So when you're communicating with colleagues, clients, your team members, your boss, stakeholders, etc. How do you know if somebody's moving into trance so that you could utilise that and change your communication from speaking to their conscious to their unconscious mind? Okay, So here are some clues. Pupils, when the pupils become larger, it normally means that the room's quite dim. It could mean that. But also, it's taking in information, they're starting to relax. So somebody's pulses slow down. Now you might say, well, how can you spot somebody's pulse slow down? There's a classic story in NLP about Milton Erickson And when he said, oh, they've gone into trance. And they said, well, how do you know he went into trance? And they said, on his ankle, I notice the blood flow slow down. So you can pick up pulses. It's quite an advanced one. And so the places for probably to notice pulses will be along the neck, to the side of the neck, especially where you've got the main arteries going in, the vagus nerve. And... Not that that's the blood system at all, that's the nerve. And maybe even you can start to notice wrists. But that's quite advanced. But it's just one of the things that you can notice. What's probably going to be much more noticeable will be people's breathing patterns. Now, if you're doing a formal trance, one of the things you'll notice is people's breathing shifts and change. And in fact, they often shift and change constantly. But initially what happens is people tend to go to their chest, slightly speed up, and then slow down and start to breathe through their diaphragm. 
so you can notice shifts in breathing. The other thing to look out for would be the face and muscles around the body relaxing. So one of the things that's said, if you observe somebody in a deep trance, they normally look much younger. Yes, you will look younger the deeper in trance you go, which could save a huge amount on facelifts for sure. But as people's faces start to smooth out and the muscles become even, and it becomes quite obvious around the cheeks initially first normal, normally, and also the jawbone, because the jawbone tends to start to settle down. And the other little thing to look out for is people start to swallow the swallow reflex and it starts as people move into trance it normally people swallow two or three times before all that relaxes down they also start, may start to become less mobile so not moving as much now that doesn't tend to happen too much when you communicate it out side of a hypnotic induction but you will start people starting to relax shoulders go back and maybe not moving as fast and here's here's what i also find interesting as people start to move into trance they start to blink less and their voice quality starts to change now that's very noticeable when you're doing one-to-one sessions with somebody but may not be as noticeable when you're communicating but you will start to find voice changes also skin color pay attention to skin color and what tends to happen is that you'll start to see the face flush or slightly go darker as well as even out and there's things like sometimes the skin becomes shiny or no shine so it's hard to say on that one so there are some clues to pay attention and where people focus their eyes and maybe people start to stare and it seems a bit glassy. That can be a indicator. And also lips. Lips give away a lot. And not that I'm suggesting you look at people's lips. Directly that is when you're communicating with them. It's always normally best to keep eye contact. But what you'll notice is that the lips can go from thin to fat and the lines seem to decrease around the mouth. So in fact, not all of these will happen all the time, every single time, but there will be a combination of shifts in physiology. And okay, so hopefully that answered that question. Those are the types of things that you'll hear and see and we talk mainly about what you'd see, when people start to move into trance. So for the next week, outside of people watching TV, that's way too easy, or even at the cinema, just when people are communicating, can you start to pay attention when they're moving in and out of trance? So hopefully that answers your question, Chris. So Sharon asked about the, some of the assumptions around. She said she knew the NLP ones. Were there any more around hypnosis? The maybe what we call them is the hypnosis presuppositions. Okay, so there are. And there is a little bit of overlap from the NLP ones. Uh, I'm heavily influenced from the NLP side of things. I don't know if you've noticed that. 
But yes, it is true. I'm quite happy to admit that. So here's a few more that would be more towards the hypnotic side of things, and i.e. the beliefs that we could hold. Now I'm going to share these, but if you're a manager, team leader, maybe a parent, if you're a therapist, I think these will probably work quite well, but if you're a coach, I think the real lesson behind this is your beliefs, what you believe to be true about the communication, tends to manifest. And... It used to confuse me. I, I heard a trainer saying, you always get the group or the audience you deserve. I always thought, well, that's a strange thing to say. And it took me a few years, but I did get it. It's what you expect to happen with a group. If you expect people to be engaging, to be up for the task, up for a challenge and be interested, guess what you tend to manifest in the room? If you tend to believe people are difficult, hard to work with and not interested, you tend to manifest that in the room. And I've seen that happen time and time again. So, you know what? Sponsor of this week's NLPCourses.com podcast show, the NLP Practitioner Training, designed to transform your life. Attend the first day completely free. Find out more. Head over to the website to secure your place with the next NLP Practitioner. Our students, the people we come in contact with are amazing, just incredible. And I'm lucky enough to meet some amazing people, really do. So there's some of the beliefs I hold about training. So let's have a look at some of these hypnotic presuppositions, knowing that with some tweaking, we could change them to more, say, management or therapy or coaching. And some of them won't fit into those areas either so okay that i think that's all fine we get that so the body heals itself we are and we are organic beings and as organic beings we self-organize and it does seem to be that your body and your mind and the unconscious mind processes are all designed to keep you healthy now you can override that and you know you can because do you know what? There's a huge amount of mechanisms between your stomach and your head to stop you overeating. So you eat something, the food goes down, gets processed, an electrical chemical signal comes up, i.e. a home hormone, which basically says, stop eating, we've had enough, thank you. And that's one of the mechanisms to keep you healthy and to heal, etc. But because we've got a conscious mind, we go, ah, this is Belgian chocolate. I must eat the two bars now. And we override those signals. But essentially, we believe the body and the mind is wants you to be healthy. So i.e. heals itself. And another belief, the hypnotic... And I'm, I'm going to read this one. An hypnotic subject will be capable of accomplishing anything that the hypnotist believes they can. Which actually comes back to our first statement when I was talking about trainers. So I think it's really important from any communication point of view to be clear about what is it you believe and do you need to update your beliefs. Also, there are universal experiences that can be utilised. They could be cultural or individual 
So with any communication, you can utilize the world around you. And notice I utilized the TV trance as an explanation of explaining the catatonic state. So could we use that within trance? And you'll find that. And I know some of you have been to see a hypnotherapist and they've done a change the channel technique where you see a TV in your mind and they're utilizing that cultural experience of watching TV to make changes, i.e. just change the channel. And you know what? Another way to utilize it, and maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but if you're, for example, if your children or your partner's watching TV, they're in a very deep trance. And this is why people spend a lot to advertise on TV because they know the deep trance people tend to be in. But you could utilize that for yourself. So as they're sitting there deep, deep, deeply in trance, you can say things just casually and in a low, gravelly voice. Tomorrow, you would like to wash up. You would like to take me to Venice this year for holiday. Yes, I do think these skills should enrich your life. And I'll go, what, what, what did you say? Go, no, nothing, nothing. And then as the children sitting there, you will want to tidy your bedroom before going to bed. They're the direct suggestions. So if you listen to last week's podcast, you know they are direct suggestions, which we also talked about being best utilised when people are in trance. Hey, people are watching TV, they're in a deep trance. So we can utilise that experience. Another one. Resistance in a subject is a lack of rapport. So when somebody's not... Seeing it from your point of view, they're not, they're being difficult. And remember, people who you think are difficult, they don't think they're being difficult. That means you haven't connected, you haven't taken the time to enter into their world so they feel understood. Hence, rapport. So there's some good presuppositions. Is there any others that we could think of? Respect other people's maps of the world. I think that's very important. Just because you believe something. So we see this in nutrition more than anything. Go to become a nutritionist takes many years. You have a high level of dedication to become a true nutritionist. Listen to somebody who spent four to five years studying really hard becoming a nutritionist. Possibly over somebody who's read a couple of books and decided that paleo or Atkins or whatever it is that they've decided is the right thing that everybody should be doing. Well, you know what? All the different diets work. Some people love the paleo stuff. Some people love the Atkins stuff. Some people like the vegetarian, the vegan stuff. Respect that. People have the right to believe what they believe. The other thing... And we hold this in NLP as well. Is People have the ability to make changes. They have all the resources they need. So if somebody goes to see a psychotherapist or psychologist, it's often because they don't have the resources and they do need help. But within the majority of work within NLP, 
hypnosis, management, communication. If you believe that people have the resources inside them and you're not necessarily there to rescue them, then they will own it. And let's finish with one of the presuppositions that NLP is very famous for. There is no failure, only feedback. There is no failure, only feedback. So the only way that you can fail is if you decide to fail. All you've done is got some information, got some feedback, so that you can adjust your behaviour. Milton Erickson once said, and to be fair, every time I hear this story, the number changes. So I'm just going to pick one of the many num numbers I've heard around this, and uh, I'll then go off and verify it somewhere, is that his best hypnotic subject became his best hypnotic subject after 120 sessions. And I think that gives us clues in that, yep, okay, so that approach is not the right approach for this person, let's do something different. And also... I think one of the things we can also learn from that, that going into trance is a skill that is worth learning. A skill that is worth learning. All right, so hopefully that has been useful. And the other thing I just wanted to touch upon also, before we, we come to an end of this, because we've been talking about suggestions. So is there a way to increase the likelihood that the suggestions will be accepted? Okay, so this is a study done in 1913, um, that's the reference. So suggestions are more likely to be accepted from an authority figure. Now, it can be just perceived authority, but authority, which can be translated also as being very confident will help that increase of accepting suggestions that you're given. So that's being very sure of yourself as well. The other thing that often happens is uh, social proof. Has somebody else followed? Has this been documented? Is there research that backs up the claims of what you're asking somebody to do? And that will increase people acting on your suggestions. Also, association. If you're not really sure what I mean by that, go back and listen to one of the earlier podcasts where we talked about association and disassociations. Or if you want a very quick insight into that, there is visit our YouTube channel where we have a whole video on association. Association is useful because when people associate it, it's as though they've already accepted it. Now, the other thing that works extremely well, which I still think is very underutilized, is used a lot in hypnosis, but in everyday communication, not used as much. And that is repetition. Repetition, repetition. The more frequent frequency the suggestion is heard, the more likely somebody is to act upon it. Now, that's quite powerful in any communication, is repetition. Repetition helps with learning. And if repetition helps with learning, learning is where people remember the information, remember your suggestion, and also people become familiar with that. Have you noticed a lot of advertising is based on repetition? 
Because to be fair, how excited do you get about comparing different insurance quotes? I know, it's just so incredible, isn't it? So what do advertisers use? Repetition. And in the UK, one of the most irritating adverts, which in fact had been voted the most irritating advert of all time, uses repetition a lot. And it's the advert that goes, go compare, go compare. And not only are they using repetition, they're using a whole batch of other techniques as well. But they show that advert a lot and people can't get that thought out of their head. And the key is, from the suggestion they're making is, we want to be the very first person you think of when you need to go and get insurance. Repetition works. And if you can engage somebody's imagination, weave a story, use metaphor, storytelling, then you're engaging their brains. They feel part of it. So if you want to build the potential of somebody utilising and accepting your suggestions, authority, social proof, association, repetition and aroused imagination. So this topic where we've been applying hypnosis to communication has been very interesting. I've got lots of responses. So thanks everybody for contacting me, giving your insights, etc. And looking forward to catching up with you next time. All the best. And if you get a chance, we've got the NLP practitioner starting in London. It is worth doing. So please go ahead and book yourself onto that. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPcourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to NLPcourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neurolinguistics, programming, and beyond.